What is up? We are back. This is Football Life Presents the Audible on this Tuesday, June 15th, and it is NFC North Week. And if you're familiar with this program, then you know our very own Matt Bushnell is rocking the Bears. We have another recurring guest, Lucas Halbert, joining us representing the Vikings, and Leon Tompkins will be joining us soon with the Lions. But first, Matt, how you doing, man? You know, in Dante's Inferno, they talked about the nine, I guess the nine circles of hell. And right now, I'm pretty sure I'm right in the thicket of it, Randy. It is 116 degrees out here today. It's too damn hot. Well, that sounds like you live right in the middle of a desert, my friend. Uh, I live <laughs> Lucas, in the middle of hell. I assume your climate is much more calm, uh, much like mine. But how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's been hot here uh, recently. A little cooled down a little bit today, I think. But yeah, doing good. Uh, ready to get the summer over with and get football season started. Honestly, <laughs> summer over with already. I mean, the summer just started, my friend. So we're we're uh, not even ready. That's for true. It. Yeah. Uh, and then as your screen shows you, our friend I'm Leon working. Tompkins is joining us, repping the so Detroit Lions. I'm surprised you don't have the L on the logo, Leon. I mean, they've really embraced that culture now. Uh, but Leon, welcome back to the Audible. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, but the hat was the complete low light of the off season, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll let them slide. All right. I'm glad. I mean, Leon, you're very optimistic about the Lions. And you, I mean, it's surprising because the Lions are in a franchise more than any that don't, doesn't deserve any optimism. So I respect the fan in you. Uh, and I appreciate that aspect of it. Uh, but yeah, NFC North week, like I said, we're going to talk all things Vikings, Lions, Bears, and I'll be the lone Packers representative. So I'm sure I'll be unpopular amongst this group. Oh, yeah. uh, but <laughs> we're going to start with the team that made news this week. And that is the Minnesota Vikings and your uh, team in purple there. Uh, Lucas, although you're repping Randy Moss, which I will say just quickly, great name and great wide receiver. So good choice there. Um, and we're going to start off with Daniel Hunter getting a contract restructuring. And, um, you know, this guy is one of the more younger uh, and better pass rushers in the league. And I don't know, Lucas, explain this to me because he signed a five-year 72 contract, a $72 million contract uh, in 2018. And is this an extension of that or is this just a pay increase? From what I understood, it, it's uh, and I haven't really looked at the details of it yet, but I, uh, it was a contract restructuring or an, and an yes. extension. Uh, they he wasn't happy with what he was getting paid and felt like he had, he had to out with the contract. Um, but he did have the neck injury last year, so I think he kind of had to meet in the middle with the team. Um, but yeah, it should, it's, it's an ex- I guess an extension to to be paid more. I guess I don't think it's a, a restructure. Yeah, and that's how I understood it. Correct. I don't know. I have, of it yet though but i know he was definitely not not, not pleased with the compensation yeah yeah i mean he, he it's a nice deal in 2018 but then he quickly became surpassed and became a just a middle of the pack contract for end so I, he definitely wanted more money um matt you 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 obviously are a fan of a team in the nfc north you watch a lot of vikings football daniel hunter uh given his age and his talent i mean this guy could be amongst a top five pass rusher if all things broke right for him don't you think no, no, I, I, no, I, why not? I, I don't see it. I mean, we're talking top five pass rushers in the NFL. I think he's got all the talent in the world to be just that. All right. So let's just go through the list. Um, let's just go. And are, are we just specifically talking edge rushers or just yeah. pass rushers just in pa- general? Pass rushers. Yeah. You got Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, 
um, TJ Watt, uh, Chandler Jones. I mean, those I are those are fun. Be, yeah, I think it could be right there with Chandler Jones. No, I no no the the, the talent's not no no okay. no. No, I, I mean, he's a good player. He, he's above average. He's good. But I don't see any traits where he dominates blocks on whether it's a double team. One-on-one, you know, obviously he's able to take advantage of those blocks. But I, I just don't see the dominance out of the double team. And that's what really separates these really top-end pass rushers from a lot of the other guys. So he missed all of 2020, but in the two years prior, he had 14 and a half sacks each season in his age 24 and 25 season. And in 2016, his age 22 season had 12 and a half sacks. So this guy's already got 55 career sacks and he's 27 years old. So, I mean, I I think he's definitely a very talented player. Lucas, um, this is the kind of guy that can anchor your defense uh, this year and in the future. I I think it was so crucial for the Vikings to get this deal done, considering all the other holes that they have. as a Vikings fan, where do you stand on Daniel Hunter? Um, definitely needed to get that uh, deal done. Um, based on the talent, yeah, I, I honestly – I'll actually agree with Matt to, to a degree. Top five is probably a little little ambitious, but I think that – I mean, he's when he's on, he's as good as anybody at the same time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was very important to get it done. Don't really have a ton of help on the other end. We've definitely uh, – strengthened up the middle of the, the defensive line now with, uh, with Michael Pierce coming back after uh, the year off of, with COVID, um, re-signing, bringing back, I guess not re-signing, but bringing back uh, Sheldon Richardson in the middle, as well as uh, signing Dalvin Tomlinson from the Giants. But, yeah, I, we, we, we're not able to generate any sort of pass rush last year, um, and it showed badly. I mean, um, as well as having uh, just a slew of injuries in the secondary uh, all added up to being 29th in defense. So Daniil is very important to us, uh, creating a rush. And we also, you know, Zimmer likes to do a double A gap blitz, you know, and, and do those sorts of things. Yeah. And Daniil opens up so much of that and is able to draw some attention into the outside to allow Kendricks and Barr and, you know, whoever, whoever the other line time but, um, to come up through the middle. So I th- it, it was very important for us to get this done because we had no other option at this point and we needed him to come back. So mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, maybe top five, a little too much of a stretch on my part, but Hey, uh, I like a player and I, I like to thank the world for them. All right, let's move on to some other Vikings related issues. Leon, I'm going to go to you here because I love your quarterback takes in general. Um, and the Vikings, I think for the most part, um, any sort of optimism starts and ends with number eight, uh, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> now you've gotten a chance to play Kirk Cousins over the last few years. Uh, there's probably never been a chance and never been an instance uh, in a Lions Vikings game where you've actually feared playing Kirk Cousins, right? Never. Never, ever. <laughs> like, I fear. Uh, Matt not even Quinn. a little. No, not not, not at all. Uh, so I mean, I, I don't even know where to go from here. I mean, the, the, they're kind of stuck with Kirk Cousins for a little bit here. Um, Matt, I'll go to you. Um, this is your annual bash Kirk Cousins segment, so I'm just gonna let you take it away from here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is a bum ass quarterback. He's been a bum ass quarterback his entire career. Uh, you know, if Blake Bortles was consistently good in garbage time, he would be Kirk Cousins. 
I mean, that's essentially <laughs> what Kirk Cousins is here. Um, look, I've seen Kirk Cousins lose too many big games. And, and I know we can cite the defense, and I know we can go to other things. But to me, when the bright when the light shines the brightest on Kirk Cousins, he always comes up small. There's never that big moment where you're like, damn, Kirk really turned a corner. Um, in his career, he's five and one against, I'm sorry, one and five against Matt Nagy and the Bears. And I mean, we're talking Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky as the Bears quarterbacks here. Not exactly setting a high bar there. Uh, you know, the Packers, well-documented. Delvin Cook basically beat the Packers by himself last year, I believe, or the year before. I can't remember when he went off and rushed for about 300 yards and eight touchdowns. But to me, Kirk Cousins is just that kind of quarterback that is perfectly average. He's not good. He's not terribly bad. He's good enough to get your hopes up and for you to overpay him consistently over the span of five years into thinking that you have a franchise quarterback and not being aggressive enough to move up in the draft and prevent the Chicago Bears from getting a guy that you like. Kirk Cousins is the jammed toe of the Minnesota football team. That's what he is. He's a pile of, basically he's a tire fire. Oh, Lucas, now your time to rebuttal is here. <laughs> so, this, is, this is like a debate, I feel like. I just invite me on, shit on Kirk Cousins. <laughs> no, um, I mean, yeah, it, it, both the things I say, I, I would agree if I was Leon as a Alliance fan, Kirk Cousins wouldn't strike fear into me and the a lot of the points Matt brings up um especially with the with the you know big game type thing it, it's absolutely true um what really holds Kirk back is just having the most god-awful pocket presence I've ever seen yeah. in my life um he had I mean great arm can stay in the pocket um I I guess sometimes we forget too that he's had either Diggs and Thielen or Thielen and uh Jefferson at this point in time to always throw to but, but I will say, as far as the big game goes, I, and, and this was, there was even someone in the group that forgot this too. It's almost like we forget we won uh, a couple of, was it two years ago now, overtime win in New Orleans, mm -hmm. Cousins won the playoff game. So he's, he's able to do it in the right circumstances. And <laughs> last year, we somehow pulled together seven wins with the 29th ranked defense. I, I got to give him his credit there at the end. And, uh, in the last 10 games of the season last year, he had 25 touchdowns, three interceptions with a 113.9 quarterback rating, best in the league for the last 10 games. Of course, this means nothing to anybody because <laughs> this is there's a million ways to try to uh, convince, and I do it to myself, convince Kirk Cousins is, is a good quarterback and my quarterback. But yeah, in the, in the moment, I don't know if he's good enough to push you over the edge. Um, definitely not with a, w without a loaded roster, which hope, hopefully maybe we're getting there, but maybe too little too late by the time, by the time we make it there. So yeah, I, I yeah. think, I do yeah. think though that the church has the ability. I think my biggest issue with Kirk Cousins is he, he always, he, he gets sacked and it, it goes exactly to your point, Lucas, his pocket presence is not good and he gets sacked at the most inopportune times. It's, 
when you can't afford to take those sacks and I get it, it comes with the big play when you have receivers like Jefferson and Thielen and Thielen and Diggs and even Kyle Rudolph the year before. And with Dalvin cook now, even as a weapon, he just, you can't take all those sacks at those moments. And I think that's what really comes out. I mean, he lost and I hate pinning a playoff loss, but it spoke volumes at the 49ers didn't let Garoppolo throw him for more than eight times and they still beat the Vikings. And granted that was a really, really good defense, Mm -hmm. but if Kirk cousins wants to be a top five, top 10 quarterback in this league, I mean, you got to outplay Jimmy Garoppolo who only threw eight times. Like what are we basing this off when it comes to cousins? Uh, You know, Rogers, is the benchmark in the NFC North. I think we can all agree to that. I mean, he's the best quarterback in the NFC North has been ever since he started. No quarterback has ever been better than Rodgers in that division. Maybe not even in the NFL to a certain extent. I know the Tom Brady messages will be flooding in as people hear this, but when you look at Kirk Cousins, I've always felt like the pieces were there offensively. Uh, you know, offensive line last year was an issue, but the year before that, the offensive line was really good. The year before that, the offensive line was still okay. It was probably the second best in the division, good enough to win the division, I should say here. But where is, you know, that quarterback has to be the guy. That's the face of your franchise. That's taking you over the hump. And I feel like that's what's always been holding the Vikings back. Last year, yes, you know, it may have been the 29th ranked defense, but when are we going to hold him to the same standards as a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, Matthew Stafford? Stafford gets killed yearly by us for not delivering in the biggest of moments. And here we have old little Kirk Cousins, a little footnote, because I think we expected out of Cousins where Stafford, we know how good he is. Stafford at his best is fantastic. And Cousins at his best is meh, just a guy. I don't think Kirk Cousins is, uh, I would say, probably the most average quarterback we have in the league. Uh, I certainly think he's elevated by the talent he has around him. Uh, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, uh, Dalvin Cook. I mean, these guys are studs. Kyle Rudolph for a very long time has been one of the more steady tight ends you could have. Um, And to me, he has been a beneficiary of the talent around him. So uh, the thing I'm going to knock Kirk Cousins for, and it's more of a knock on the Vikings, is just looking at his salary numbers right now. Uh, he is owed $21 million this year, and he has a $31 million cap hit. And if they were to cut him, he'd be a $76 million cap hit somehow. Uh, and then also next year, he's under contract for $35 million uh, and a $45 million cap hit. And obviously, we know he signed, what was it, a four-year deal, uh, all completely guaranteed, which was unprecedented at the time. It was a lot for a guy like Kirk Cousins, but when you're the Vikings and you need some sort of consistency, it's a guy who's steady, who's going to be under center each and every week. There's value in that, I would say. And it's not like he's been a complete disaster. Like Lucas said, they made the playoffs. They had a big win in New Orleans. Um, I mean, success is different to each team. To me, that's that's a success. But in order for the Vikings to really take the next step, um, Kirk Cousins has to take advantage of this big three that he has around him. And those three guys are so talented uh, and they're so good and they 
truly do elevate the uh, elevate the play of Kirk Cousins. Um, and that's why the Vikings are a very much boomer bust team to me. Their offensive line is shaky. Their secondary is a little shaky, but they have high-end players at key positions uh, in general. So uh, I'm going to pull up the Vikings schedule for this year, and I'm going to have an open dialogue on some predictions. Leon, I'm going to want you to go first here because I haven't heard from you in a minute. Um like I, so, I put uh, Kirk Cousins and like Derek Carr in the same in the same category. They both make every start, but you expect so much more out of them. You know, it, it's yes. it's very very frustrating. Well, I'm being told I can't share my screen, so if Matt Bush just, wants I, to allow I, I, me, I, I turned it on. You should be able to All see right. it now. So I'm going to share this screen here um, and pull up the schedule. I don't know. Can you guys see the schedule here? It's the big purple picture. Oh yeah. Um, Matt, I mean, you look at the oh, Vikings. Yeah. You look at the Vikings roster, Matt, and I, honestly, I mean, we'll talk about the rest of the division. Like the Vikings, to me, have a at least kind of an identity. Like they sort of know what they are. Um, they lack big time in the secondary, the back end. Like that concerns me. Um, but in the offensive line with Kirk Cousins' limitation concerns me. But it would not shock me if this team found themselves in a wild card situation just based on the other talent that they have. Now I know you're down on Kirk Cousins, but what do you make of the Vikings roster as a whole? Uh, it's tough, really, when you take a look at the Vikings, because obviously they needed to upgrade in a lot of areas because when their offensive line started breaking down, so did their defense. We know that they had a slew, and I mean a slew of third-round picks. Hunter coming back helps, but there's still some major holes here for the Vikings defensively, and that offensive line, we, we still have to see them be better. Um, you know, the schedule is not very favorable in those first four games outside of the Bengals. So, you know, you, you got to go, you get, you're playing Arizona, you're playing the Seahawks, you're playing the Browns, very, very tough opponents. I have to see Kirk cousins win some big games here. I like the roster overall. It's a fringe playoff team for that seventh wild card. I, I don't think they're going to get the four five or six, or I'm sorry, the five or sixth wild card spot. I do think there's better teams overall in the conference, but it, you know, we, we go back to the biggest elephant in the room and I know we're going to talk about the Packers. It literally depends on where Aaron Rodgers is at week one on where the Vikings fall, because honestly, this team could win the division. This team could make a wild card. There's too many variables right now. So um, are we picking game by game or are we just going to go there? Overall no, you don't, record? you don't have to do that. I, I think that exercise would take a little while, but if you yeah. want to sit there and look at the schedule for a bit, Leon, I'm going to come to you now with the Viking schedule and overall roster construction. How high or low are you on the Minnesota Vikings this year? Ooh. I, I see seven wins. I mean, the, I don't know what to make of the Bengals early on only because, you know, Burrow coming back, uh, to me, ACL tear, and and it's been stated as far as Rogers' uh, wild card, but uh, early schedule is not favorable. But I, I do see uh, if I would have like a sneak and win somewhere in the schedule, maybe the Steelers, uh, the Chargers. So low point seven, high point ten. Okay. Now, Lucas, you are the Vikings fan here, so I assume optimism uh, is coming from you here. Um, but I think it's contingent on what Matt Bushnell said. If Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback of the Packers, this team could uh, win the NFC North this year. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, the caveat here. Um, 
I see, I, I see about if if I got up, yeah, probably about ten, maybe maybe push it to eleven wins. Uh, realistically, probably more like nine, ten. I'll be obviously a little bit more optimistic in the homer here, but yeah, I I think they're early on. You got to go to the ringer um, against the well, not actually the ringer, but the Bengals and Cardinals, Seahawks and Browns there, and you would almost prefer the Seahawks and Browns to be. Well, actually, I'm sorry. The first two are, are away games. My bad. So, yeah, I guess that's tough starting off two on the road, but those are probably the more two winnable games rather than Seattle and Cleveland, I would guess. But um, And then a pretty tough road there at the end, playing the Bears twice and swallowed the Packers. So, um, yeah, I, I, I go a little bit more optimistic with them this year. I like I do like a lot of the moves they made. Um, we talked about their secondary being awful last year. Um, yeah, Patrick Peterson – uh, bring back McKenzie Alexander, Xavier Woods, uh, signed, a, signed Deshaun Breland. Um, so I, I think, and obviously already have Harrison Smith uh, and good guys that we drafted last year with uh, Cam Dantzler. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little bit more optimistic, but given, I'll say, I'll say, I'll, I'll go super optimistic. No Rodgers, 11 with Rodgers. I guess it doesn't really affect our win total <laughs> a ton, but I'll say nine without Without or nine with Rodgers, eleven without Rodgers. There we go. That's what we're trying. All right. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule, Matt. And real quick, I'm just going to say it looks like a pretty uh, not a, uh, an easy schedule by any means. I actually think it's a pretty difficult schedule. Uh, you got some difficult runs and difficult back to backs here. Um, but I, I do believe in the Vikings. And our Matt Nealand in the comments, um, you know, said that they would have been 12 and four last year. The league average defense. He kind of is supporting the Vi- uh, you know the Vikings notion here, where you know get Daniel Hunter back, you get some of the guys back from COVID, um, and they should be able to be a, a team to be reckoned with in this in this division now. Um, to me, it's all about Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to say that for each and every one of these teams in this preview. So unfortunately the timing of this isn't going to work out so well for us, which we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. But as of now, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Packers until I'm told otherwise. So I'm going to operate as if that is the case, but I still think the Vikings are a 10 win football team. I think they can go 10 and seven, get a reminder of 17 game season. And I think they're kind of, they could be a wild card team. And if, and if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, I assume they win the division. And I think the Vikings could easily be a wild card team team now Matt Bushnell you're marinating on the schedule a little bit here what are your thoughts yeah well I'm just going to go through and our good friend Corey Decker is going to appreciate this but just the list of quarterbacks that they have to play Joe Burrow who's fantastic Kyler Murray who's fantastic Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson a top five quarterback in the NFL Baker Mayfield on a very Browns a very 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 good Super Bowl aspiring Browns team and then they get Jared Goff, and then they get a break. But then they follow it up with Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they see Trey Lance against the 49ers. And, and then, you know, they kind of get a lull right there. But, you know, I, I think the Lions beat them once. I Until Kirk Cousins can prove that he can consistently beat the Bears, I don't see them beating the Bears. So I'm going to say they go seven and nine. And I, I think they end up third in the NFC North. Seven and nine and one, seven and 10. Oh, geez. I forgot 16. Yeah. Seven and 10. <laughs> They'll go seven and 10. I'm just trying to get our, our viewers uh, used to the fact that they're, they're not even numbers anymore. Yeah, uh, all right. So that's, that's the Vikings uh, right here. Um, 
we spent 25 minutes talking about them. So we're going to move on. And Lucas, if you're up for it, we'd love to have you stay on here and talk about the rest of the teams. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to stop sharing my screen for now. And it is time for our friend Leon Tompkins to shine as he does so brightly on a regular basis. Um, Leon, this has got to be weird for you. This is the first time in a decade that you're starting a season and number nine, Matt Stafford is not your starting quarterback. Just, just talk to me about your approach coming in now. Well, it, it, it's, it hurts. Uh, I grew up, you know, with Stafford, obviously Harrington before, but a franchise that has a, a, a long-standing quarterback, you know, it's very hard to keep, very hard to find. But uh, I think he was a victim of bad luck and bad management. Uh, you had Hall of Famer and Calvin Johnson come and go. Uh, it, it just – he got stuck not being able to win the big game. Uh, you know, he had a chance to win a division against the Packers, and I, I think – and I'll say it every time that playoff game against the Cowboys, I think sealed this uh, team's fate. Um, but he, he dedicated his, his career and, and his life to the team, uh, played injured, played hurt. Um, and he, I think I thought he got unfairly treated by most of the Detroit media and media in general, as far as uh, uh, his will to win, but it, it was time to move on. It, the long-term picture, it was, it, the window was, was closing for Stafford. I just think he had about five, six years maybe. And for this rebuilding window, it, it's not enough for uh, Stafford. So uh, I wish him luck in, in LA. Um, people get to see what I've been seeing the entire time on, on a much larger scale. I'm a big Stafford supporter. You know that I've always thought he was the real deal and just kind of got thrown into a, an awful situation in Detroit. Um, but now you have a new guy in town here and his name's Jared Goff. Um, all last year, Leon, you have been advocating for the Lions having a top five offense. <laughs> it's been a running joke that uh, I love that you are still sticking to your shtick. Um, what sort of optimism do you have with Jared Goff now under center in Detroit? Well, I know that he's a proven commodity. He, inconsistent as he is, I know he has the ability to throw a deep ball. I know he has the ability to hit some receivers. And what we do have is an elite tight end. We do have uh, an elite running back in Swift. And what they did do, which I did like, they built in the trenches, uh, built up this offensive line, and maybe give Goff some time to uh, maybe – you know, read his, uh, make proper reads and, and go, uh, go go to deep ball. So, and from what I'm hearing, Goff has more uh, in, uh, insight into the offense. So, you know, chip on his shoulder. Uh, I'm highly optimistic. You know, it, if it doesn't work out, they can cut bait in three years. It's probably the right time frame anyway, but I, I like this. Uh, I, I like the move. Certainly feels like a transitional QB to me. Matt Bushnell, I'm going to go to you. Um, I assume you're not the biggest Jared Goff guy, um, but what do you make of the post-Matt Stafford era in Detroit so far? I, I, it felt like it was a long time coming. Uh, Stafford, for as good as he was, I don't. He, he definitely never held the Lions back. I don't think we can hold everything against the Lions. 
at the quarterback position, what we can hold against the Lions is their front office, which is talent identification, roster building, and coach selection. That they firing Jim Caldwell was the biggest mistake that this franchise made. And that pretty much doomed the Matt Stafford era just because Caldwell built a culture. Things were changing where you're like, man, Lions may not be a team to mess with too much longer. You know, the offense made sense. It didn't put them in bad spots. And then you hire Patriot boy, Matt Patricia, who complete joke. And they built something and then they just decided to tear it all down because they thought, you know, they had the next coming of Bill Belichick and they had the next coming of the Pillsbury Doughboy instead. So, you know, I love what they did. I, I love Motor City Dan Campbell. I love the attitude as a football meatball. Like if you're a meatball football fan, this guy gets you going, man. He gets the engines revving and everything. The issue is, can he coach now as a head coach? Um, he was with the Saints. I, I, I have to imagine that he has really good football acumen. So if he gets the players to buy in, and I love their philosophy. Panay Sewell falling to them at seven was a gift, you know, beyond all gifts. So they get their left tackle for the next 10, 11, 12 years in a, in a division with guys like Daniil Hunter and Khalil Mack. Um, obviously, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith for the Packers. So they need to address that. But I like the direction. It's they're they're rebuilding and they're not taking shortcuts this time. Are the Lions going to be good this year? Probably not. But I think if they build and sustain a culture, if Dan Campbell can put in a football type culture, I think they're in good shape. So that's my next topic here is Dan Campbell because he kind of came in it was a surprising hire I think for most people um, kind of came in and was like we're gonna attack kneecaps and, and bite off heads and <laughs> scratch and claw and said all these football cliches I uh, didn't know if he was a homeless man or some kind of just savage or whatever uh, but nonetheless he's coming in saying all these things and it sort of reminds me of what Joe Judge did last year he came in and said a bunch of things and not everyone want, that everyone wanted to hear and that's great you could say everything Thing, but then you have to do it. So I guess that's my question, Leon. Is like, what are what are, you, what are your thoughts on Dan Campbell? Do you think he can actually sit, come in here, and establish a culture that you know your previous coaches failed to do in the meantime, and, and sort of build uh, build something for the future that you can actually say, like, hey, I'm proud to be a Lions fan. Now I, I I've seen this episode before here in New York <laughs> with uh, Rex Ryan. Yes. Um, Comes in, does a lot of talking, and he for the first couple of years he has some success. Now, what I do like, he does have a pretty good staff around him. You know, Mark Brunel, Aaron Glenn, Anthony Lynn. So he has the pieces to buy into his system and, and name recognition. And so far, from what I'm hearing from training camp, everybody's buying in. So, uh, it, it what. What was also missing from these coaches was some personality. Uh, you know, yet the Steve Mariucci's come in and just all business, uh, stoic. But um, what, what I do like about Campbell, he's embracing Detroit, uh, the grit and grind of Motor City. Uh, you know, like I always say, Detroit versus everybody. So it's, it's more or less us against the reps. So uh, I like what I'm hearing so far. Yeah. Hell, I'm, I'm I'm buying in. I, I know this team probably won't be any good, but hell, it, it should be 
very exciting watching them and to see some effort. Uh, six years is a lot, but it 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 does go inside with uh, uh, the GM hire. So I, I like the direction this team is going in. Yeah, that and, makes sense. And you're buying yourself time. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I, I was going to say you almost have to do this if you're Detroit. If you believe that you got the right guy. Well, let's face it, when Patricia was hired, I think, I'm not sure how many people like that hire. I thought it was a joke to begin with. Yeah. Um, just from all that. But if you believe Dan Campbell's that guy and he just wowed you in the interviews, you know the first three years are going to be painstaking because one, you have to identify a quarterback. All right. We all know that Jared Goff isn't that guy anymore. He's nice, you know. He's going to make a very nice career as a middle tier, bottom tier quarterback that eventually develops into a bridge quarterback, like probably an Andy Dalton or a Kirk Cousins, um, both who are in this division now. But I, I think the things that you have to see with Dan Campbell is, all right, we're going to give you three years of a blank slate, develop the young guys, and let's see where we're at in three years. The three years are just chalk. They don't care about the record. The record doesn't matter. You want to see progress at this point. And then you start eva- evaluating Dan Campbell on wins and losses in years four and five. And then if you want to keep him around for year six, you can. Uh, agreed. And uh, I like where they went with the roster, with the lines. Uh, Michael Brock is coming in, re-signing Okwara. I mean, what they did in the draft with the two uh, interior linemen. The biggest problem for this team was getting a pass rush, and they clearly addressed it this offseason. Maybe Trey Flowers can finally earn some of that cash, and they're going to move him over to uh, outside linebacker. So, uh, I, I mean, I guess, you know, it, it goes in waves now. So I, I like the idea of the, the direction they're going in, and like you say, uh, three years of a blank slate. I just want to see some progression and, and see where this, this was the worst ranked defense in the league. I mean, it can't be any worse, right? <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, Lucas, I want to get your thoughts on this um, new line, new look Lions team here. Obviously they're rebuilding, uh, but when you look at their roster, there's some good. Uh, and then there's also some really bad. Uh, <laughs> talk to me about your thoughts on, a, on, on the Lions. Well, um we're- I think uh, Leon touched on for a second with golf. Um, I think he maybe maybe he kind of comes in a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, the pressure, maybe the culture, you know, you come in top pick um, in the L.A., make the Super Bowl early like they did, um, just have an awful showing. Uh, I think maybe the guy needed a change of scenery on top of the fact that um, I think the chip on the shoulder, I, I think that, may, you know, that, maybe that's a cliche, maybe that's, you know, not really a, a thing, but – I think that will help him out a lot. Um, as far as Campbell goes, I, you know, talking about some of the things he brought in as a more high energy coach and that sort of thing. It seems like those, the type of coach like Dan Campbell either uh, comes in and it works wonders and, you know, you win a lot of uh, football games or it crashes and burns way harder than uh, a more stoic coach would have. Um, but I, I think um, I think the culture uh, definitely is a thing that they need to uh, have changed. And, you know, if he's coming in, actually, you know, instilling some pride, you know, making people, you know, giving the lines a different look, uh, kind of like what we've seen with the Browns. Uh, I think that that's 
I think that's a positive thing. I, I don't have huge high hopes for them this season, but I, I think they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think being competitive is a big step moving forward into this rebuilding process. I don't know how you could expect to win a ton of games here, but uh, overall, you know, you see your guys respond to the coach uh, and be competitive and you play sound football. I think those are all things that you can improve on going forward. Leon, I'm going to start with the roster here, but I'm going to start with the good. Um, the Lions offensive line is really good. Uh, I think when people think, I don't think people realize that uh, Taylor Decker got signed. Frank Ragnow got signed. Pinay Sewell coming in as a highly touted rookie. The guards, Jonah Jackson is solid and Vitae is pretty, pretty solid too. He's probably the weak spot of the line in general, but overall that's a good unit to have. And I think they will pave the way for Deandre Swift to have a good year. I think Dan Campbell's the kind of guy who's going to try to establish the run. I think their interior uh, defensive line is good. I think, like you said, they just, uh, they should address that need in the offseason. And bringing back Okwara could add that pass rushing element that you need. Uh, Jamie Collins at linebacker is solid. Um, but that's pretty much all the good to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where it gets bad uh, is your, your, ta- your pass catchers. I would say outside of Hawkinson, you're relying on Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perriman, rookie Amon Ross St. Brown, which, you know, he could be a stud. We don't really know yet. Um, but you need second. And, and the, the worst part than that, even is the secondary and I think you really need to see a huge improvement from Jeff Okuda uh, Quentin Dunbar uh, Aruzier I don't know if that's how you say his name but in general the safeties and corners need work big time Um, but this isn't the year that you're ready to compete overall I think you have a solid core that you can build off of uh, mixed with some good and bad Agreed and this is where you know now you have the pleasure of having Kenny Galladay in your your Mm -hmm. locker room now (laughs) But uh, from late last year, I, I did see we look out for a guy, Quintez Cephas. You know, big, big uh, target, six seven. Um, trying to establish him late, but I, I think this team, like you said, going to establish a run, really work off play action, and I, what I believe is they're going to really try to work the deep ball with this O line. But the secondary is always going to be work. But you can mask that with uh, an elite pass rush, and I think that's where they're gonna head. Uh, maybe maybe they make a move if they're like they surprise some people in the uh, around the trade deadline and make a move for maybe Xavier Howard or uh, a top flight corner. But I honestly don't expect. Uh, much from the, from the secondary, but top five offense still. <laughs> I love that you're still on that. Uh, all right, I'm going to show the schedule again like I did with the Vikings. And, uh, Matt, I'm going to come to you now. And and I want you to just marinate a little bit on this, maybe discuss, uh, you know, the roster we, we, we just talked about a little bit here. Um, but the Lions schedule, um, you know, all these schedules are going to be similar because they play the same conferences and everything based on where they finish in the division. Um, but overall, rebuilding Lions team, do you think they could be scrappy this year? I, I definitely think they're going to be scrappy. They're going to – it's not going to be a fun team to play per se, but the defense still needs a lot of work. Um, like Leon said, they have to find a cornerback that can shut down a team's number one offensively. They don't really have any wide receivers that put fear into your heart, especially losing Kenny Galladay. So the wide receiver core needs some development. It's going to be hard to generate a pass rush on this team. So they're really going to depend on the running game. So it's going to be a battle. I mean, Dan Campbell's going to build this team where it's going to be a fist fight every week. 
I don't see them getting blown out of very many games, but I don't see them winning very many games. And I'm saying they're going to go three and 14. Wow. That's, that's on the low end here. I mean, look, if you're three and 14 and you're, you don't really get blown out by many games, I think, uh, you know, Lions fans would take top pick and hope to build off of uh, whatever core you have there. Um, Lucas, you're looking at the schedule here. Obviously they play your Vikings twice, but overall um, Lions are going to be fighters, I think. Uh, and I, I don't know how many wins that's going to equal, but nonetheless, uh, if you're, if you're, you know, if you were playing them, you'd like them to be an easier win like they happened in the past. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think you, when we talk about that culture change, may, it kind of maybe even starts when you, you know, you still have a three, four win season, but you know, those, I guess now that would be 13, 14 losses or, you know, those are those, each of those teams are saying, man, they, they were no joke. That was, that was tough for 60 minutes. So I still have them kind of in that range, maybe, maybe, maybe five wins. I, I have to really sit here and pick out the wins, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that them being on the up and up here, uh, it's, the schedule is obviously, you know, similar to Vikings, similar to the rest of the divisions, pretty tough. Um, I'd probably keep them in that, in that four game range four or five wins, maybe. I think they, they have a little improvement, but still, still not quite there yet. Yeah, I, I would say if you win four or five games and Jared Goff is the reason why you lose most of them uh, in your secondary, for example, let's just say, um, you could take that and say, all right, well, he's a stopgap transition, transitional quarterback. Um, this is temporary. Um, let's keep building off of what we have. And I'll, I'll say this as a Giants fan, we kind of did that last year, uh, but except they're committing to Daniel Jones long-term, it appears. Um, Giants went 6-10, and 10, were competitive in so many games, really only got blown out once, um, had a chance at the end for the playoffs, which, you know, that part's a joke, but nonetheless, it's still games that matter down the stretch. Um, the Lions might have not have games that matter down the stretch, but uh, if they're in all these games and not getting killed and these guys come in there and are competitive each and every week, like that's going to go far. Um, and maybe we can get, even get an entertaining game there uh, on Thanksgiving, if that's too much to ask. Uh, Leon, <laughs> you're looking at the 2021 schedule here. Uh, where, where's, what's the scale at? Optimism, top five offense, top three offense here. How many wins? 12 and five. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> 12 and 5. Uh, offense, offense wins in this league. And that's what's going to happen. You know, Jared Goff is just going to, you know, be in the top three in the passing yards. And Swift will, you know, be a dual threat. Look out for him in your fantasy leagues. And TJ Hawkinson will make it back to back Pro Bowls. You know, I, I just want to piggyback. Uh, off of something real quick and this is the most positive thing i'll say about the lions this entire year this is the one team where it doesn't matter if aaron Rodgers is in the division or out of the division <laughs> that's positive yeah it's positive are you sure yeah hey man it, it says something that aaron Rodgers doesn't change your trajectory in this division <laughs> You don't think they could beat the Packers one time without Aaron Rodgers? I just – I mean, we're, we're talking the Packers with Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. That defense for the Packers is still okay. It, that, that's a good roster. I don't think people give the Packers roster overall enough credit. Aaron Rodgers would be an awful loss for them, and it would definitely change them, but they're not finishing last in this division without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's the Lions spot. They, they have the fourth spot on lock. 
I tend to agree. Uh, Leon, you know, I'm going to be in Vegas for the draft. I have a feeling your, your lines are going to be picking pretty high up there, unfortunately. But 12 and 5 is one hell of a prediction here on June 15th. And I can't wait to revisit that with you <laughs> throughout the season. Play that, yeah, play that tape. <laughs> yeah, well, we Leon, will. if you want to go ahead, go ahead, man. Oh, no, I, I said we'll definitely play that tape. Yeah, we have plenty of tape that we have to go back and uh, play for everyone. That's for sure. Um, you know, we're going to move on to Matt Bushnell's Bears. But, Leon, if, you, if you're willing, we'd love to have you stick around with Lucas and keep talking about the rest of these teams in this division. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll stick around. I'm waiting for Brooklyn to play at 830. So. Yeah, all right. So this is dedication, folks. In, this, in the thick of the NBA postseason, ball is life. Uh, no, not even ball is life anymore. Basketball life, step back, host Leon Tompkins is on the football show in June. And that's just dedication. So we, we greatly appreciate that here. Uh, all right. It's time for many of the people of the group's favorite or most anticipated segment, I should say. Matt Bushnell famously melting down during the draft after the Chicago Bears drafted Justin Fields, uh, trading up with the New York Giants to number 11 overall. Um, Matt, I feel like your your thoughts and opinions have changed since on Justin Fields, but nonetheless, the Bears in general have an interesting quarterback situation with Andy Dalton, with Justin Fields, and hey, you still have Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles on the roster here. So uh, what's the deal of Chicago in that quarterback room? I, I think it's expected that Nick Foles is going to be moved before training camp begins. Uh, the Jets, The Jets just make too much sense for Nick Foles to go to. They don't have any other options. And obviously the Bears are not going to get anything back for Foles. I just think they want that salary relief. But the plan is to get Foles out of there and then lock up Allen Robinson long term because Allen Robinson wants to come back. They want him back. The deal will get done as soon as they can move Nick Foles, I believe. Um, At least that's been a lot of the rumors circulating around Chicagoland. As far as the quarterback room goes, I I, I really don't have an issue with it. And I, I don't think many Bears fans um, should expect a lot of things coming out of the first eight or nine weeks from Justin Fields. I think the plan is, and I, I honestly do think the Bears are going to stick to this. There is no way that Justin Fields is starting week one. So I think Andy Dalton's going to get a long look. Um, it depends. The things you hear about Justin Fields is leadership, intelligence, hard work. Uh, you know, some of the things that were questionable in the pre-draft process, you know, some people question his work ethic. I have no idea where that came from, but we heard it. And obviously that has been proven wrong with the Bears. He's the first one there, last one gone. All he wants to do is talk football. Uh, my thoughts on Fields varies because you see all the intangibles there. Like Justin Fields is like the guy you want. He is a football nerd. He doesn't want to talk about anything else but football. But that can also lead to other things. It doesn't guarantee success. So I, I'm taking the approach of wait and see. I, I didn't like the trade, you know, giving up that much capital. But if you had other people that were going to take fields that were going to move up, I mean, the Bears had to get in front of the Vikings because I do think the Vikings would have taken Justin Fields at that point. So the deal had to get done. But if if Matt Nagy's the guy, and, and this is my problem, he has to be there for two years. You know, when you let Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace trade that first round pick next year, and I complained a lot about the coaching last year. I had a lot of issues with what Matt Nagy did and the roster construction of Ryan Pace. And like I've always said, 
Ryan Pace in rounds two through seven, gold, money. I love the guy. You know, this team's littered with really good players from those picks. It's the first rounders, the Kevin Whites, Leonard Floyds, Mitchell Trubisky's that have crippled this team from being a Super Bowl contender to getting no respect. Everybody has downplayed the Bears. I told everyone last year that the Bears were going to go 11-5 and five and make the playoffs. The Bears went 9-7. and seven, They made the playoffs. So, you know, I, I wasn't exactly wrong in the positioning, but I was wrong in the wins. But they should have won two games that they lost. So, overall, I mean, I take a look at this team. I think defensively they got worse. They're older. Offensively, I don't know if they're that much better. How do we view Andy Dalton as a quarterback? I know he got killed absolutely destroyed but keep in mind Andy Dalton has done something no Chicago Bears quarterback has ever done and that's throw for 4,000 yards so (laughs) that's something I mean it's going to be interesting in Chicago there's going to be storylines to watch all year um Lucas and Leon look you guys are both on our draft special you remember the reaction, an all-time audible moment of Matt Bushnell just sinking in his chair, throwing the headset off. What a turn of events that Matt Bushnell's coming around on Justin Fields. What happened? Well, I, I think I think he went through all the five stages of uh, <laughs> emotions, so we come full circle. Congratulations, Bushnell. I'll say, I'll say when they took fields, I mean, I, and without even knowing that my team was also trying to take fields, I, I, I was immediately like, Ooh, okay. That's, that's kind of like a, that's a different style of quarterback than, than what I'd expect, you know, actually bringing in someone who could be a little bit dynamic and, and move around a little, I guess Trubisky could, but I mean, you know, like, um, I, I'm actually not, I'm, I've, I've, kind of been sold on fields basically since they got him. I, I, I really think that's, I think it's a good fit. I don't know. Let's see what Nagy does with them. Um, but yeah, I, I really think um, I really actually like that pick. I still do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you were a supporter of it at the time, Matt, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's, it's fine. I mean, I, I agree with Lucas here. I mean, there's things like here's my issue with fields. The tape is outstanding. The, the, you watch his Ohio state game tape. You take out Northwestern, um, you know, he played the Alabama game with broken ribs. And I mean, I I played with a crack rib and, you know, I was garbage. I I wasn't very good, but Fields was still pretty good. He was a high-end quarterback against basically an NFL defense in Alabama. You know, so this is the part where I just get so confounded on. It's Fields what I see on tape against, you know, a lot of the teams. Is, is he the same guy against Clemson or is he the guy against Northwestern? And there's a lot more game film out there of him torching teams like he did Clemson. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he acclimates. I mean, from everything that I've heard and read, I mean, minicamp, he's been a star. He controls the huddle. He gets everyone's in the right position. They're saying he knows the majority of the playbook, but he still struggles in some areas as any rookie would. I think what's difference, the difference between him and Trubisky, Trubisky never felt like he had this aura of confidence. Trubisky was always kind of like that. Oh, you know, I'm just kind of here. You know, he, he wasn't a big moment quarterback. He had one outstanding game against a terrible Buccaneers offense. And then he played pretty good against the Dallas Cowboys team. 
And the thing that stands out about Trubisky is he played one season at North Carolina against so-so competition. Fields has played against some of the best defenses college football has had to offer that were thrown at him. So it just, if, if the Bears can coach him upright, and we believe the Bears are a good team, and I think people downplay the offensive weapons on this roster. Darnell Mooney's a budding superstar. I, I don't care what anyone says. I believe that kid. That kid torched Jalen Ramsey twice, and he couldn't get a quarterback to throw him the deep ball. Fields has excellent deep ball accuracy. So if he can extrapolate that. I like Jimmy Graham, and you laughed at me, Randy, when I told I you Jimmy Graham was going to be good for this team, and he was good for the Bears. He was. You were right. So I, I like the tight end room. I like David Montgomery. This offense isn't as bad as everyone's making it out to be. If Justin Fields can play quarterback at an NFL level like he did in college, this it goes from a fringe playoff team to you know a Super Bowl contender in a year. Hmm. All right, we're gonna touch on the roster here in a second. First, Leon, I'm gonna start with you. What week is Justin Fields starting quarterback for the Bears? Because I think they're gonna roll Andy Dalton out there for a solid month. So I'm going to say Justin Fields by week five is the quarterback of the Bears. What do you, what say you? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to say week six. Okay. Don't wait. Uh, yeah. Lucas. Um, I'm going to say week two. <laughs> I think they'll get one day game by Andy Dalton and say no. <laughs> I don't know who they played week one, but I, I don't know. I, it, it's going to be quick. I don't think they can keep him off the field. If, if he is what they say, he, if they like him as much as they say they like him. Matt Bushnell? Yeah, that, that Rams game's week one, so um, I'm not I'm not sure if you want to field Justin or uh, feed uh, Justin Fields to Aaron Donald week one. <laughs> that, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. I mean, if you read Coach speak, Matt Nagy has come out in previous weeks and said, you know, Andy Dalton is our number one guy. He's starting week one, and today. It was kind of a curious quote. It was like, you never know what can happen. And it's just like, you're starting to see those chinks in that armor. So I'm not saying it's impossible that Justin Fields starts week one. I I think they're going to slow play this. I I still say he starts after the bye against the Ravens, because I think the Bears can tread water to the best of their abilities before the bye week. It'll be interesting to see how the Bears handle that and, and Justin Fields' success will basically be all uh, up to Matt Nagy at that point. So uh, anyway, uh, to me, the Bears are, are actually on the up and up because they're getting a bunch of help back on the defensive side of the ball that they did not have last year. We talked about how Eddie Goldman opted out. Akeem Hicks uh, kind of riddled with the injury bug last year, although a year older, still still an effective player. Robert Quinn, they kind of they paid him a lot of money. They really can't need to be get worse. Some- yeah, they, they really need to get more out of him, uh, and I expect that he will. Uh, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan is a, is a damn good linebacker core, and Roquan Smith is one of the best out there. Um, the secondary, I mean, you're losing uh, – I mean, what's the guy's name? Kyle Fuller. Yeah, Kyle Fuller hurts, um, but Desmond Trufant in the mix now. Eddie Jackson still there, Deshaun Gibson. Uh, I'm optimistic on the defense, um, 
to me, this is going to come down to the quarterback play and the offense. And um, I keep seeing that David Montgomery is a breakout candidate for the bears. Uh, Allen Robinson, I'm the biggest Allen Robinson fan there is. I absolutely think he's a stud and number one of all number ones. Uh, and I'll take your word on Mooney. I know that he, he did beat the Jalen Ramsey. Those highlights seem to play all the time, but I need to see him established as a number two because Anthony Miller uh, hasn't gotten the job done. And uh, Demir bird feels like a guy, just a slot guy. who's like your traditional number three receiver. Um, but Matt, where the, the biggest concern for me is the offensive line for the Bears, uh, which could destroy any sort of uh, progress you want Justin Fields or David Montgomery to make. Um, and, you know, you, you draft Tevin Jenkins, which certainly helps, uh, or you, I mean, we assume helps. But overall, this unit uh, <laughs> remains, uh, you know, you, you, you'd wish more uh, would be here for the Bears. So um, you think this offensive line unit is bad enough where it could prevent the Bears from you know being as good as you even think they could be? Actually, I, I think the offensive line's a hidden gem for this team. Wow. Um, James Daniels got hurt week four, okay. so he was out, and he's coming back. And he, he, the time of his injury, pro football focus had him ranked as, a, I think, the top five guard in the entire NFL. So the first five weeks, I, I, he got hurt against Tampa. I'm trying to think what week they played Tampa. I think it was week five. Five or six, I think yeah. it was. So he got hurt in that Tampa game, and he was lost for the year. He tore his pack. So you get James Daniels back. Sam Mustafer is an emerging center. Cody Whitehair is a well-established interior offensive lineman. So the big weakness, obviously, was the tackles last year. They were able to run David Montgomery inside quite a bit. But Charles Leno and, oh God, I forget who it was, it was between Bobby, Massey. But they moved Jermaine Effetti to right tackle later on in the year and the offensive line actually played pretty well towards the end of the last year. And we can argue competition because that does matter, but the offensive line did. Okay. It's going to hinge on Tevin Jenkins, be able to hold down the left tackle spot. That that's not an easy spot for a rookie to play. Uh, Tevin Jenkins is a nasty dude. You I've watched his tape. He's big. He's strong. He's a mauler. I also like Larry Borum, the kid they drafted out of Missouri, I believe. Um, you know, he's 6'6", 340 pounds, just a mammoth human being. So they wanted to get nastier on the offensive line. I like this offensive line. I don't think it's going to be as bad as people are making it out to be. And I don't think it's going to hold them back. I'll go as far as to say is I think the defense is going to cause some issues for this team. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, Lucas, I'm going to go to you. Um, you obviously are high on Justin Fields. You, you've said this much. What do you make of the rest of the Bears roster here? Because I think that there's talent uh, pretty much uh, all around here. Yeah, um, especially when you uh, highlighted the, the linebackers. Of course, the Bears always known for the linebackers, uh, Smith and, and all those guys. Um, yeah, I, defense looks solid. I, I have to agree that the question mark, as it usually is with the Bears, is, is the offense. Um I think I think a good running game, if you can able to get Montgomery going this year and actually really establish that, so you have your good defense and you and you have your running game, truly how the Bears want to play. Um, maybe that helps outfields a ton and, and opens up things for him. Or, you know, hopefully it doesn't do the opposite where it kind of stifles his growth. But um, I think I think if they're able to get Montgomery going this year too, that that'd be a big a big plus for them. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, they've, they've got some talent here, um, mostly on the defensive end, I would, I would say, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I could see, you know, that the bears could really put together a good season here. If, if, if the quarterback play is, is, is what it could be. I agree. I think they're very talented. Now, Leon, um, 
you know, the sky's the limit for the Lions, obviously, in the top three offense here. But uh, <laughs> where do you see the Bears uh, as a whole here? I mean, obviously, quarterback play is kind of uh, the big issue. But overall, the, I think the Bears have a pretty talented team. What about you? I actually agree with Matt as far as the offense is concerned. As usual, Chicago's issue with any sport is offense. But Trubisky, their offense wasn't bad last year. It's just that Trubisky was awful with uh, accuracy. You know, Mooney, Robinson, he was just accurate. The schemes were correct. Uh, But – you know, I, I, I do think their offense will be much, much better this year as well. The defense, this is where the uh, change in defensive lines for both the Lions and the Vikings really come into play. I'm sorry, the, off- the offensive lines. Uh, being able to protect against Khalil Mack and Smith and, and those guys. So maybe their defense takes a step back, but uh, – you know, how you got to score to win, and, and and I think Chicago will score a lot more this year than they did last year. I hope so, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't love the schedule which I have pulled up on the on the screen. I mean, it's not the worst schedule ever. I think it's 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 doable. Um, but to me, I have a hard time thinking the Bears could be you know, so much more than what they were last year, which, you know, still wasn't horrible, but it was still painfully, um, you know, making the playoffs by the skin of your teeth. Um, and nine and seven. Okay. You made the playoffs. No one's taking that away from you, but for me to see them take the next step, I would really be up to the quarterback play. And, and if Justin Fields turns into the second coming of Deshaun Watson, then we're talking about a Super Bowl team here. Um, but I, that remains to be seen. Um, Matt, you're looking at the schedule. You knew the schedule already, so I'm not, I'm not worried about you. I'm going to get to your prediction at the end. Lucas, I'm going to start with you. Um, you, uh, the Vikings fan, you're pretty optimistic about the Vikings, you know, not so much about the Lions. The Bears are also the team to me that could be in the thick of it with the Vikings, given a situation where Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback of the Packers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I basically would have the Bears and the Vikings around the same win total this year um, with or without Aaron Rodgers. Um, without, I think that they will be battling it out for the division, uh, maybe even January 9th there um, mm-hmm. at the bank in Minneapolis. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd put them right around, you know, 10, 11 wins as well. Um, I could see them really, really taking off this year if everything comes together perfectly. I, I don't know if it will necessarily do that, but I do think it's a solid, definitely a solid team, um, them and Minnesota. But, like, all, all these teams, I mean, all playing the same, you know, essentially the same schedule. This, this is a tough schedule for this, for this division. Now that we're really, I'm really looking at it all around. So I don't know. I'll, I'll put them comfortably there, you know, 10, 11 wins like I did Minnesota. Hmm. All right. Uh, Leon, you know, obviously the Lions are winning the division at 12 and five. We don't have to worry about that. Uh, <laughs> but where, where do the bears uh, land here for you? <laughs> now the bears are one team where I, I think they have the, well, maybe besides the Packers, uh, as far as end of the spectrum. Bears can, I, I think, can actually win the division or they can actually be the worst. Uh, it, like you said, it all depends on fields. But uh, low winning the spectrum, I give them, I give them six wins, high end, I give them 13. Okay. 
that's a pretty wide range there. Uh, the definition of a low floor, high ceiling uh, type thing. All right, Matt, I'm sorry. Um, I'm invested in the Bears stinking this year. Mm. Um, I need the Bears <laughs> to get me a top 10 pick. Uh, if you do not know, the Giants have the Bears first round pick in 2022, and I will be there in Vegas to see it. So I need the Bears. Just I'm not asking top five. Just give me a top 10. So therefore, I say six wins. Give me six wins, get the 10th pick, and I'm happy. Six and 11 for the Bears. What do you say, Matt? You know, I just noticed something on the schedule. And, you know, anyone on, on the panel or anybody watching, I don't think I've ever seen this in an NFL schedule ever before, but they do not play consecutive road games or consecutive home games mm-hmm. at all. Weird. I have never seen that. I think that happened to the Giants a few years ago, but I don't know if it was exactly that. Like a bye might have mixed them up, so that might have been the caveat there. But, yeah, it's very weird to see the the balance of this. Yeah, so I'm taking a look at it, you know. God, I didn't realize they had so many West Coast trips. Like they go to Los Angeles and they have to go to Vegas three weeks later. Then they have to go to Seattle later in the year. So that's going to be kind of weird. And then they got Tampa Bay at Tampa. Um, you know, they have some very losable games and they have some very winnable games. It's trying to identify what's in between. I, I'm i going to pull the full 180 here. I'm going to say Justin Fields is the real deal. Mm-hmm. And where he gets inserted will depend on their record. So I'm going to say let's go with week four against the Raiders. Fields gets put in. The Bears are going to go 12-5 and five and finish second in the division. There it is. There's the old bear down Matt Bushnell for you. <laughs> Knew you would come around eventually well, and buy it out of the Bears. You know what? And I, I, I'll say this much. I don't think it matters if Rodgers plays or doesn't for the Packers for, for, in the Bears spectrum because I could see the Bears losing twice to the Packers anyway. It's just one of those things. I, I, I hate the stupid hex on the Packers with the Bears, but – you know, we'll, we'll see. All right. Uh, well, th- I mean, now the moment you've all been waiting for, um, your, the favorite team in the division, uh, the one that you guys all love so much. <laughs> um, the honestly the standard of this division i'm sorry to say but um the green bay packers are the reigning nfc north champions they were a you know a couple plays away from representing the nfc in the super bowl which you you know we've talked about so many times um but now they are in the middle of an uncertain future um surrounding aaron Rodgers, the three-time mvp the super bowl champion mvp um the, the reigning MVP, really. I mean, that, that's also pretty important to know that he was amazing last year. Um, but on draft night, when well, all of us live in this group, uh, Aaron Rodgers came out and said, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be traded or I, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go host Jeopardy. Uh, I want Brian Gutekunst fired or I'm gone. Two months later, we're still kind of here. He didn't re- he didn't report to the camp. He is going to be fined by the team. And it feels like the Packers are calling his bluff, and if he doesn't show up, guess what? It's going to be either Jordan Love or it's going to be Blake Bortles, <laughs> um, which is a big difference in your seasons here. Um, it, I'm going to operate as if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback because as of now, um, he is. I know that he's not there taking snaps. I'm not worried about that. If he shows up you know, the day before week one and says, all right, I'm back, I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers. I'm just not. Um until that day happens, I'm just going to assume number 12 is playing quarterback. 
with that said, he is going to help them and the Packers are going to win the division once again. And they have still a stacked roster. They have Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard. I mean, go down the list. Their offense, very talented. Uh, the defense, underrated, as Matt Bushnell said earlier. I really like the pass rushers. They got the Smiths in there, Sean Gary, Jair Alexander. They have players on defense as well. Um, I guess I can't just bypass it and say, hey, um, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback because, yeah, it's easy for me to say, but it doesn't mean that's the case. I'll start and just say, say, for example, week one comes around and number 12 isn't there. We get Jordan Love. Maybe it's Blake Bortles, but I'm just going to assume Jordan Love. Leon, I'll start with you. Any sort of report that you've seen so far says Jordan Love's not really impressing too many people. Um you have any faith at all in Jordan Love? Is the, the, the long question short? I mean, no. I, I This is where I'd have more faith in Kirk Cousins. So, no. I, I, I Which goes to the point, if you have no faith in Jordan Love, what was the GM doing in the beginning, you know, drafting him, knowing what you have uh, in Rodgers? So, uh, uh, I don't. I think Roger starts week one, but I I have no faith in in love. I'll be shocked. Yeah, I mean, it obviously traded up for him. I think that's how they got into the situation to begin with. But Lucas, you, I feel like you have a better, um, you know, thumb on the whole college football landscape here. What do, you, what do you just see from Jordan Love at all, if anything, that make you kind of say, hey, he could have success in the NFL? Um, not. I, I don't really know what the Packers saw a ton. I, I think the whole the whole thing, they just fumbled the whole thing so badly, um, bringing him in. I mean, that, that's how you get to this point anyway. Um, you know, you needed some help, and you had a, a decent pick there. And, you know, you could have done given Rodgers a weapon. You could have shirt up the defense a little bit, you know, anything other than picking his obvious predecessor at his age and everything. Um yeah, I, I just don't. I mean, especially if you compare it to what you have now and the fact that Rodgers was at least a huge factor in, in pushing you over. I know we say the roster is pretty decent, but, um, yeah, I, I don't really see a ton here at, at all. Um, I think that they've that they've really screwed the pooch here just by having Jordan – picking Jordan Love and then being in the situation now, you know. I think there's a lot of arrogance in the Packers organization uh, and I don't blame them for it, but you go from, from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, you think, why can't we do it once again? I mean, this is an organization that uh, has had three of the most legendary quarterbacks in the history of football on it. So why not keep the train going? But uh, Matt Bushnell, I think that kind of, that's train sort of stops now with Jordan Love. I, I don't know why anyone should have optimism about this guy. There's so many issues here. I, I want to go back to what, Mark Murphy said, um, God, last week, I think it was, it was a shareholders meeting and he unprompted, no one asked him, quoted Ted Thompson, who can't even defend himself because, you know, rest in peace, Ted Thompson died. He's, you know, saying that Aaron Rodgers is a complicated fella, you know, and you just, you think about things that you don't do to a guy that you know is prickly sensitive has rabbit ears and you're gonna go do that like this is how you lose a quarterback 101 that this is the divorce proceedings uh 
they've done everything they could possibly do this offseason and last offseason to alienate the most talented quarterback they've ever had in their franchise. For better or for worse, however you feel about him, he's better than Favre in so many different areas. So to me, the Jordan Love era is not going to be pleasant for the Packers. This is not a soft landing spot. The reason why I, I did like Jordan Love coming out of college, I not in my wildest dreams would I thought he would have he should have gone in the first round. He was a late two who needed to sit for three or four years to learn an offense and to really get acclimated to it. He's got traits. He's got a killer arm. The guy can throw a football Josh Allen-esque. But there's so many holes mentally with this kid. You know, he played over in Utah. Not great competition. You know, so he's over there playing. Um, not great numbers. He had a pretty decent sophomore year. Really kind of meh junior year. He's like the opposite of Zach Wilson here. Zach Wilson had a meh sophomore year. Really good junior year. So to me, I J Jordan Love's not ready. He, he's not ready this year. He won't be ready next year. So you've basically alienated a guy that, you know, you you could have given him the moon and he deserved it. If you lose Rodgers, you're probably losing Devontae Adams. Yep. And, and, and then you start losing other pieces on this team because this team's not nearly as attractive. And we know one thing about the Packers is they don't really go out and spend big money in free agency. They like to build through the draft. That's historically how this team has been built. Without without this group, without Aaron Rodgers, and without Devontae Adams, this becomes the third best team in this division, bar none. Jordan Love will sink this ship. I think it's going to get to the point where if it is the case, you don't have Rodgers or he gets traded or he just retires, whatever, you will see that Blake Bortles is a more competent NFL quarterback yeah. right now than Jordan Love is. Yep. And you might see a situation where Blake Bortles is playing for them for maybe the entire season. And, and you don't want to throw Love out there to have his confidence absolutely crushed and to kind of hide him from all of his flaw, hide his flaws from the rest of the league. Um, but that's the situation you put yourself in uh, in the Packers front office. That's obviously one issue. Other issues include the offensive line. David Bakhtiari blew his knee out and is your best offensive lineman coming back, and you're wondering if that's going to be a success or not. The rest of the line is okay. It's not great, It's but it's fine. But Bakhtiari really is the, the leader of the of the pack there. Um, and the secondary is solid, but overall, minus the, the Smith brothers and Gary, I don't love the front of the, the Packers. If you look at it, it's Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark. Um, and, I mean, it's a lot of guys that are just, okay, I need more from that. So – Aaron Rodgers masks a lot of issues that the Packers have um, as a whole, Leon. I mean, it's, it always seems to be Rodgers and then whatever else. Without Rodgers, this team takes a huge step back, right? Huge step back. And no pun intended. But uh, I, I, what you'll have is Adams, you know, running routes uh, like half-heartedly. The connection between Rodgers and Adams is almost like – is unparalleled, and you'll really feel the difference uh, week one if that would ever happen. You know, it, to come out publicly and state that, you know, I'll go where Rodgers goes, 
and then have to play week one with Jordan Love, it's kind of it's a deflating feeling for the rest of the team. Yeah, I mean, Lucas, sorry, Matt, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I just want to point out, and, you know, we could take a look at, you know, some numbers here, but against the Vikings last year, week one, it was 43 to 34. Without Aaron Rodgers, that's a loss in my opinion. So, so that changes things. I mean, and then they played the Saints in week three and they won 37 to 30. Without Aaron Rodgers, that's a loss. You know, and then the following week, uh, I'm not going to do the Houston game, but they did lose to the Vikings 22 to 28. That was a Dalvin Cook explosion. But there's games here you see that without Aaron Rodgers, it goes from a win to a loss. Absolutely. Um, Lucas, obviously, Rodgers has been a thorn in your side uh, as a Vikings fan. And honestly, all of your teams, he's been just a menace. Um, I don't know what the what the, the floor is at this point without Rodgers, but I'm looking at top five, maybe top three pick. It could be that bad for them. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it when he's been injured um, a couple times. I know he uh, broke his collarbone and, some, you know, and a couple uh, other maybe small injuries here and there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would keep them very low, two, three wins. I mean, fourth. I actually – I don't know. I, one, of us, one of us predicts that even without Rodgers, the Packers are still better than the Lions. I, I would even put them. But I think even the Lions – I think losing, losing Rodgers is too much. It's, it's a mental thing too, you know, uh, even outside of what he obviously adds, you know, talent-wise. But, um, yeah, I would – two, three wins, I don't know. Oh, I'd have to really look at their schedule. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I would have zero, zero faith in the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and like Bushnell said, they're going to lose Devontae Adams too if they lose Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Devontae Adams has been pretty adamant about that, that he wants out if Rodgers is out. Um, and obviously they don't have to oblige, but he could easily sit out. I mean, that, that's a thing players do now. Uh, Matt, I'm having a little bit of internet issues on my end. Can you pull up the Packers schedule for us uh, and share your screen for me? Yeah, um, Yep. Does this Look, this is a this is a situation that unfortunately on June fifteenth when we're doing this division preview we don't have all the answers for. A lot of these predictions are with the caveat of number twelve is he there or not. So when if something happens with Aaron Rodgers and he's not there, obviously this division becomes a lot more wide open. But if Rodgers comes back. He, look, angry Aaron Rodgers, we saw last year, is a is a different man. I mean, he just light, lights the league on fire. And as Leon said, the, the connection he has with Devontae Adams, that one-two punch is tops in the league. Like, they are so good together. I mean, Adams finds the end zone every week, if not multiple times a week. Um, so that connection is, is so valuable to the team. And and I, I feel like Rodgers' frustration is boiled over by not winning in the NFC champ, uh, championship game against the Bucs. They had a chance on third down to score. Rodgers, instead of running it in, throws it out of bounds, thinking they have another shot, shot at fourth down. And then <laughs> Matt LaFleur decides to kick a field goal. You're down eight. doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Whatever. Um, that probably did not help the case for Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers can say whatever he would like to say about this whole situation. You cannot lie to me and tell me it does not. it has nothing to do with Jordan Love. Them trading up to draft Jordan Love implied that they were re- thinking about moving on from Aaron Rodgers. And that obviously, obviously, obviously pissed off Aaron Rodgers to the point where, oh, you don't think I'm that good anymore. Oh, you, you're ready to move on and you think I'm Brett Favre all over again? Let me show you that I'm better than that guy ever was. And he did. And he won another MVP. But 
he's a petty guy. And look, I know we made fun of Mark Murphy, but he's right. He's a complicated fella to deal with. We've always said this. This guy has always been sort of a diva, sort of been dramatic, always been like a, we're always accepting of a diva like behavior when it's a wide receiver, but when it's the CEO, the quarterback of your franchise, it's a little bit more to deal with. Now Aaron Rodgers has earned any right to act out the way he wants. I'm not saying that, but in general, uh, Aaron Rodgers is a little bit of a guy, uh, a little bit of a complicated guy. Matt, where are we on the schedule here? Yep, just give me a second. I'm pulling it up now. Okay. Because all these predictions we're about to make are 100% on number 12. And I think, uh, I mean, unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to stand here. And Leon and Lucas, I, I don't know where your, your fluctuation is going to be here. But for me, it's it's probably close to 10 games of a difference, whether Aaron Rodgers plays or not. Um, Leon, is that how, is, that, is it that big for you? Because I, I, am I exaggerating there? No, no, it, it sounds about right. They were the biggest uh, uh, polarizing team I had in the division besides Chicago. But yeah, it, lottery team to potential Super Bowl contenders. It, it's just that much. Yeah, I mean, Lucas, they were what thirteen and three last year. Obviously, yeah. three and thirteen feels like a little bit of a stretch, but I mean. Uh, eight, nine game difference. I mean, that's what we're kind of looking at here. Yeah, I don't see them winning more than five games without Aaron Rodgers. And with Aaron Rodgers, I, I put them right at, you know, 12 and four, 13, 13 and three again. Right. Uh, well, or 13 and four, you know, whatever we're, you know, doing this year. But um, yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, it, it's got to be a 10 game difference because they go Super Bowl contender to top five pick with, without them. Absolutely. I think. All right, Matt, you got the schedule up. Let's see it. Yeah, I, I just want to say a couple of things about this. I, I don't know why we're assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. I don't I, actually, I, I think this is definitive. I don't see Aaron Rodgers. To, to me, he's that dude that's just going to say, fuck it. I made this amount of money in my career. I don't need this. He just got engaged to a young, budding superstar movie actress. He doesn't need the money. There's no guarantee that Jeopardy is going to be there for him. But this dude has other interests than football. It's not like he's so dependent on football. And there was a story out today where he would actually save money if he retired as opposed to if he actually played. So there's things here where, you know, once you break down the numbers, Aaron Rodgers does not need the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers need Aaron Rodgers. And they're doing so, everything they can to destroy that. I, I agree with you. There's no way that uh, – I mean, the Rodgers would be better off playing in a bigger city, most likely. I mean, he's playing in Green Bay, Wisconsin, <laughs> for God's sake. <laughs> um, the Packers absolutely need Aaron Rodgers. And the only reason I'm assuming that is because that's where we're at right now. I mean, uh, he's not on another team. He's not officially retired. So I'm, I'm just operating with that. It doesn't mean anyone else has to do that, but that's just how I am going to – uh, proceed with this um obviously any predictions we make are going to come with that caveat but um the schedule here I, we can't see it in full but it's similar to all the other ones obviously um they get houston on the schedule i believe um look i mean you guys can go ahead and make your predictions but if you want to say with rogers and without rogers we can do it that way i think that's probably the safest route to go um but we're going to start lucas let's go with you first with Rodgers, without Rodgers, what, what's your Packers predictions for 2021? Um, 
Well, I'll still get bold predictions, obviously, but I will say, and to piggyback off what Matt said, I, I think he's gone too. Um, I really do. I think that this is the one guy who will dig his heels in and, and it does not, you know, he will make everyone else look bad, make himself look, he doesn't care. I mean, he, he, he's not happy in this situation. I will say though, if for some reason he's back, I will put them right at, you know, uh, I guess it would be 13 and 13 and four, 14 and three, you know, really, really high end. Um, but without him, him, yeah, three and 14, <laughs> four and uh, 13, right in that range. Um, I, I'd definitely put him in there. Three, four wins without Rodgers, 13, four, um, 13 or 14 with him. It's unbelievable. I don't think we've ever had this this sort of uh, this situation coming into a season like this before. Uh, Leon, uh, you're our, our famed Packers hater. Uh, coining the phrase F12. Um, <laughs> I, I want to get your predictions here with Rodgers, without Rodgers. Yeah, 12 seems to be making quite a, a, a stir no matter where uh, a conference you're in. But I, I think whip Rodgers, I still think, I actually think they struggle even with him. Uh, the lack of, you know, you could say the lack of training camp, but I, I still think it, mentally he, he won't be all there. Uh, probably check out if he's still in that uniform, but I, 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 don't, I don't think he's back. So with Rodgers, I'd give him 10 wins without two. Wow. I love it because to me, you lose Aaron Rodgers, you also lose Devontae Adams and – I think to your point too, um, say Rogers shows up again and comes back, maybe there's a whole disconnect with him and the team in general. And they're like, you know what? Is this our guy? Does he really believe in us? Is he really one of us? Is he in this with us? Cause I'd be questioning that too. If I was a guy on the Packers right now, like maybe this isn't the right guy, you know, anymore. Um, with Rogers, I'll, I'll say 12 and five. I think that's, a, a, you know, a decent, you know, Solid NFC North winning record. Without Rodgers, I think it all blows up on them. Uh, Blake Portals, Jordan Love, wherever you go with this team, um, I have a hard time envisioning more than four wins. So I'll say four and 13 without Rodgers. Matt Bushnell, I, I assume you – so you gave us your with Rodgers, without Rodgers, and then you give us a Rodgers prediction in general. Uh, what do you got here? So I think uh, I, I'm, I'm putting my line in the sand just like A.A. Ron here. Um, I, I'm not even going to give you a prediction with Rodgers because I think he's gone. I, I, I really okay. do. Um, I, I don't feel it necessary to imagine a scenario because when your GM openly kind of questions your ability by making moves, Rodgers wants to feel like he's a part of the Packers. He wants to be talked to. You know, um, Aaron Rodgers referenced Jordy Nelson. Um, I forget the other wide receiver. I think it was Jake Kumaro yeah. where he wanted Jake Kumaro on the roster. And then the only thing that you really say is that he's a complicated fella, the, the president. And here's the thing about players. They don't like management. They generally don't like ownership. And once they see their guy being talked about in this manner, it brings a wedge. Now you have like a guy like Devontae Adams, like, oh, what's this team going to say about me when I want to get paid or I don't like my situation? 
what's David Bakhtiari going to say? Like, oh, well, I'm coming back from injury. Are they going to value me the same? Mm-hmm. Management is driving this wedge. And Rodgers is their guy. I mean, he's not the greatest leader, but you can't tell me. And any of us that have played football at, at any level, there's guys that you play with that you know are players. They're ballers. They can go out there and play. And then there's guys that you see sitting on the bench that you know they can play, but for whatever reason, it's more personal. And then the guys that are sitting on the bench and they have guys playing in front of them, you start questioning that. This team knows Jordan Love ain't that dude. They, they can tell he ain't ready. I mean, God bless him, he made the NFL. Not very many people can say that, but this team knows. So I don't think there's going to be any divide. I, I think if Rodgers is back with them, Hey, they're going to ride with him because he, they know he's the NFL MVP. He knows they're going to get paid more money with him. Without Rodgers, this team's 5-12, and 12, and, and, and that's what it is. It's a 5-12 and 12 football team, even with that defense, because there's too many games where Aaron Rodgers pulled something out of his ass and saved them. There's so many games you see where the refs throw 80 flags just to protect him. These refs ain't protecting Jordan Love. Who's Jordan Love? You know, maybe they treat him like Mitch Trubisky. Oh, you got your head knocked off? Get up, kid. You know, this this whole situation for the Packers is stupid. And for as much as they want to say, oh, we're Green Bay, we're title town, you're a bunch of fucking idiots. For, For what you did to a franchise quarterback who's changed everything about your franchise, I'm not sure if some of you guys are old enough to remember the 80s Packers, but I am. That team was a hot pile of flaming shit. Even in the early 90s, that team was fucking garbage. And you know what happened? You lucked into Brett Favre because the Falcons drafted him. They didn't want him. They traded him for peanuts, pretty much. So then you got your quarterback in Favre. And then you were able to bench Aaron Rodgers for three years. You had McCarthy and fix those mechanics. You know what, Green Bay? You deserve this drama. Because as much shit as you talk and you want to puff your chest, we're Green Bay. I cannot wait to see you again without a fucking franchise quarterback. Suck on that. Oh, we love a good rant from Matt Bushnell here on the Audible. And what better way to end than that? So uh, there you have it. The NFC North prediction show. Uh, going to be interesting to see how it shakes out here. Uh, and I kind of hope Rodgers isn't there just to have some parity in the division. So, um, Leon, you have a playoff game coming up for your Brooklyn Nets. It looks like James Harden's going to give it a go. Why don't you tell us about your show and the next time you guys are coming on? Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh Covered last night, first two rounds of the playoffs. Uh, we'll go again this Friday night. Uh, hopefully, Brooklyn get this win. Uh, a lot of intriguing matchups going along uh, in the league, all tied up at two. Uh, Suns took care of the Nuggets. Um, me and my good man, Jacob Moses, Friday night, step back, 8 p.m., basketball life. You guys know where it is. Be sure to check that out. Playoffs have been have been great. I mean, I love that you're going to get a, a champion that you haven't seen in a long time or maybe a first-time champ, too. NBA is on fire right now. Uh, Lucas, thanks, man, so much for coming on. This is your third time on the show. I mean, you're an, officially a recurring guest. Uh, we love having you on. Um, any parting words for our audience? Uh, school Vikings, uh, 2021 Super Bowl champs. Uh, we will revisit this. Um, we're all going to laugh at me all season. 
Uh, I will laugh at myself at the end of the season when I've made a complete fool of myself yet again. But, yeah, school Vikings is all I got to say. All right, Lucas, you're always a pleasure to have on. Thank you so much. And Matt Bushnell, I will see you next week for our AFC North divisional breakdown. We're going to go back and forth, AFC, NFC, and the divisions. That is a loaded division as well. We'll see about guests uh, when we get closer to that date. But this has been a pleasure. You know what? We normally plug all the shows, but I feel like we're running out of time. We've done this for a little while now, so I'm just going to wrap it up here. On behalf of Leon Tompkins, Lucas Albert, Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond saying see you guys next week. Stay safe.